Radio. The Other Side of the News is a current and dynamic companion to augment the discussions from the other side of midnight. We investigate, explore, and extrapolate facts to gain better understanding of current affairs and events, and thus to bring comfort and calm to our wide international audience. It's a spontaneous commentary based on well-verified references fed through vigilance and discernment. Our desire is to awaken your imagination with questions. Questions that have not been asked, yet need answering. The other side of the news is a place where you can come and be with us in community. Learning new things, asking questions, getting compelling answers, and interesting viewpoints. It's about curiosity. We present thought-provoking questions to incite your mind, propelling you to see the world in another way. Propelling you to see the world in another way. With clear insight fresh perspectives on global events. Tune in for a balanced view of the other side of the news. And welcome. My name is Timothy Saunders. I am one of your trio co-hosts on this 85th edition of The Other Side of the News. I'm speaking to you this early morning from the Aegean coast in southwest Turkey and will soon be joined by Kintia from her infamous wheelhouse nearby San Francisco and Anita Driscoll, who is also currently in the Bay Area. This show is entitled Sovereign Empowerment. We have inherited a world that has evolved with great division, creating a terrain of micro and macrocosm. Each segment has been incrementally and skillfully offset from the next by those who generate our programming. While great numbers of critical thinkers continue to break out of this psychosis each day, there remain a large number of people, some 30% of the population, who seem quite content to continue following the Lemming-style narrative to the letter towards the cliff edge and beyond. Exactly as spelled out by the puppet masters through their professional lying politicians and mainstream social media whores. While many through the entire section of humanity continue to be consumed with distraction by the intentional turmoil interaction between each division, the enemy we now face is clearly one that is attempting to overpower us from a position without borders, like cowards hiding behind one-way glass trying to deceive us in a hall of mirrors of their design. The minority believe they can manipulate us on an open playing field while we are obstructed by their apparent divisions, checkpoints, and milestones. These puppet masters have managed to position themselves over centuries to a point where they are potentially able to influence the rest of the world in lockstep, like a scripted, and well-rehearsed theatrical performance, the minority conducts the orchestra and players to create illusions of wonderment while we are reduced to become paying audience, or so they think. The truth is their power is only effective through our compliance. Therefore, non-compliance through sovereign empowerment not only renders their strength ineffective, 
but also derailed their plans. As more of us resist this tyrannical power grab under the distraction of this fake pandemic, the more desperate their measures are likely to become. While the coldest and darkest part of each night is just before dawn, through self-empowerment, we may unite across all borders and divisions to resist and overcome this dark war, emerging as victors of humanity rather than victims of the minority's new world order. I very much look forward to hearing our guest's perspective regarding this essential awakening process, all with a view to illuminate the best path to lead us to a positive outcome. You may find us at www.theothersideofthenews.com, where you will see quick links to our independent Rumble and Telegram platforms. Details for each show, which include links to our bios, show items, references, and selected research. As usual, there's a huge collection of information to read, watch, and listen to, most of which has been handpicked from independent sources. I urge you to study them and even download your own copies sooner than later, as the sensitive robots work around the clock to rewrite our history in real time. During the last week, we have been inundated by a torrent of remarkable events and headlines reported in the news to discuss, validate, and present each topic in correct context could all too easily fill up an entire show by itself. As the other side of the news is not per se a typical news show, and in order to make the best use of our available airtime, we should plot a direct course to greet the rest of our team and to introduce our guest, Vivaya Star. Good evening, Kintia. Good evening, Aneta. Have you discovered any cracks in the narrative from your perspective? <laughs> Oh, boy, I've had so many cracks in the narrative this week. I've lost track, which is just absolutely fantastic. I'm feeling um, very positive about things. I mean, we still are taking steps back, but uh, it's been an incredible time. Some of you may or may not know that I have a Telegram channel, which is basically uh, where I put up all these different articles about what I'm seeing and what I'm tracking. And there is... I really will go to almost any topic. And um, so this week is just, it's, it's so massive, the amount of things coming through that I'm posting around 100 a day. I don't expect anyone to actually look at all 100, but they can pick the things that are interesting to them. And uh, through that, I had just gathered a little list of the things from yesterday. So just for a recap, to put it kind of in perspective about how old Applesauce Brains is doing up there in um, the, uh, well, what they're calling the White House, which actually they're not there, but whatever. We've talked about that before. Uh, so, but particularly bad day. Of course, he probably doesn't really know that it's a bad day. But let's just, just, just look at this and say, well, his, uh, his mandate was shot down by the Supreme Court. And, um, and it was three to six votes. Uh, and it was, it, I, I actually didn't like the way they, they, uh, ruled on it because they were talking about legalities and they, they take an oath to the constitution and they weren't talking about the constant, the unconstitutionality of it, but nonetheless, the mandate is, is dead on arrival. And along with dead on arrival, uh, and, and we aren't done by the way, we aren't done fighting on that one people because they, the medical system is, we still have a fight with that in the military. Now there's all kinds of reasons that these can't stand, but the fight's still on. So, but, the big one that about the hundred uh, 
employees, employers with 100 uh, or more people have to be uh, jabbed is um, it's, it's dead. The wicked witch is dead. And, uh, and people are upset, uh, justifiably so, that we're seduced into the coercion of this. And what I say is, you know, take them to court. Let's just, let's just go for it. But anyway, it was fantastic that happened yesterday. And uh, so also we had a, uh, a voting bill that was dead in arrival on the Senate today, uh, or yesterday, sorry, not, not, yet, not today. Um, and that was fantastic. That's the uh, HR1. Um, and uh, Manchin and Cinema, uh, I'm not sure if I'm saying that, that name right, um, won't vote to alter the filibuster rules, which is they shouldn't. So that, was, that did not work out too well for old, you know, old uh, poopy pants there. Um, the Oath Keepers uh, were in, you know, that were indicted for January 6th Trump team has effectively been cleared. And there's a lot of things about that, and we're going to see a lot more. But, uh, you know, they've been holding back all of the, all of the stuff that basically uh, shows who really did that and what it really was about and the timing and all that. And I could go, that could be a whole show by itself. But uh, I wanted to play a little clip uh, on this of them in the uh in the in congress uh grilling an fbi agent and this is the absurdity about what's going on so keith could you play the sound excerpt please how many fbi agents or confidential informants actively participated in the events of january 6th sir i'm sure you can appreciate that i can't go into the specifics of sources and methods. Uh, did any FBI agents or confidential informants actively participate in the events of January 6th? Yes or no? Sir, I can't, I can't answer that. Did any FBI agents or confidential informants commit crimes of violence on January 6th? I can't answer that, sir. Did any FBI agents or FBI informants actively encourage and incite crimes of violence on January 6th? Sir, I can't answer that. Ms. Sadburn, who is Ray Epps? I'm aware of the individual, sir. Uh, I don't have the specific background to him. Well, there are a lot well, of people who are understandably concerned, concerned about, concerned about, Mr. about Mr. Epps. On the night of January 5th, 2021, Epps wandered around the crowd that had gathered. And there's video out there of him chanting, tomorrow, we need to get into the Capitol, into the Capitol. This was strange behavior, so strange that the crowd began chanting, Fed, 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 Fed. Ms. Sandburn, was Ray Epps a Fed? Sir, I cannot answer that question. The next day, the next day, on January 6th, Mr. Epps is seen whispering to a person, and five seconds later, five seconds after he's whispering to a person, that same person begins to forcibly tear down the barricades. Did Mr. Epps urge them to tear down the barricades? Sir, similar to the other answers, I cannot answer that. So there you have it. Uh, so, you know, when you're not guilty, when you have nothing to hide, you can answer the question or say yes. But either way, you know, they're admitting essentially that the feds were absolutely the ones that were doing this. Now, they had some assistance. They, they hired in their little... Uh, lackeys there, Antifa and the BLM people, but, you know, we're going to have all this revealed. This is very interesting. So 
uh, this all goes connected to everything else that we've always talked about on the show. So the January 6th committee also subpoenaed um, Alphabet, which is Google and, and that whole conglomerate, Meta, which is Facebook, Meta meaning death in Hebrew, and uh, Reddit and Twitter, all of their um, all of their tweets and information from that day. And um, that is, uh, you know, that's kind of funny because when they get all that stuff in, it, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be blowing back. It's going the wrong way for them. So this is very interesting. Maxwell, Ghislaine um, Maxwell, is she has given up the fight to conceal the John Doe's. That means we're going to get exposure on all of the, this whole pedophile ring and, and, uh, and how that goes. And along with that, Prince Andrew was stripped of all his patronages and titles by the queen. And now he's having to defend himself in court on, on pedophilia and rape charges as a private citizen, not as a royal. Interesting, huh? So uh, at the same time, um, the day before yesterday, there was a release from Project Veritas and uh, exposing all of the military documents from DARPA and the gain of function and absolutely uh, proving beyond a shadow of a doubt that they knew about ivermectin, they knew about hydrochloroquine, they were involved in gain of function, they, the whole Wuhan and everything like we didn't know it coming out of Air Fauci's mouth, which I call him, you know, little rat face fraudgy, but whatever. Uh, he, he, everything he said is a lie, but we knew that because he's a pathological liar. That's all they can do. So uh, Congress members are um, seeking more documentation and they are getting more documentation all on this COVID origin, origin. and Soros, his attorney uh, in Maryland, has been indicted. Mm, isn't that interesting? We're, so remember, I always talk about those Durham reports, the Durham, the Durham. We haven't, well, this is coming and it's going to be really awesome because all these things that we've been talking about will be revealed on that. So, and then to, to final up yesterday's day for, for old Biden and his losses, Zuckerberg uh, was court ordered to be deposed in a massive lawsuit about the election fraud. So interesting day. And um, that's just one person's thing on one day. So you can see the amount of stuff that we're getting. You know, I want, I want to say, you know, did I miss anything? I'm sure I've missed a lot because there's so much going through. So I'm, I'm actually a really happy camper over here watching all this and feeling extremely hopeful as this reveals itself around the world and the worldwide events are supporting this also. So um, I know that Timothy had some other new stuff he'd like to bring up too. So Timothy. Thank you. Yeah. Just to run through a few points, like you said, it's just too much, but I think a few are worth just pointing out. And one of the things is here in Turkey, the PCR uh, is seems to be, being phased out. I seem to remember last summer, it was uh, we were advised that it was a totally useless <laughs> uh, test, if you want to call it a test, a totally inappropriate test for um, controlling to see if somebody actually has COVID-19 or not, or the variants, which there are no the, the versions of this test to even prove or disprove. And it seems in Turkey at the moment, this PCR is, is no more. And that means that until they bring in something else, um, I'm not saying there are no other tests at all, but traditionally in the last uh, few months, people need to show a negative PCR or show a vaccination certificate to fly. 
uh, internally, for example, or go on public transport, I believe. So that's interesting to see what is coming, if anything is coming, in terms of a new test. And uh, just a quick reminder in Greece, um, those who are unvaxxed, uh, if they're seen out from their home, will be fined 100 euros. In Singapore, those who are unvaxxed uh, are reprimanded and also have to pay their own health bills if they do fall sick for any reason. And in Canada, in Quebec, the unvaxxed uh, are going to be very soon paying an, extra, an additional tax, the unvaxxed tax, which is interesting. Back in the UK, uh, Boris Johnson is still in a lot of hot water, shall we say. Apparently, there were a lot more garden parties going on during uh, intense lockdowns. And of course, you know, the hypocrisy uh, of people, it seems, almost hours between making public announcements about the lockdown and enjoying oneself at a party uh, is, is, is starting to upset a lot of people, um, especially people who were not able to see their relations when they were sick and so on. And uh, it's brought out a lot of discussion on mainstream television. A lot of people are actually uh, straight to his face calling for resignation. And unfortunately, of course, he hasn't done anything yet in the true uh, great big buffoon way he, he conducts himself. Uh, he, in the House of Commons, when several people are asking for his resignation, he just stood like a, a naughty schoolboy, or sorry, sat like a school, naughty schoolboy looking at the floor, looking at his shoes. So, you know, I think it's worth we just watch this space, but remember who, where he comes from. His father is Stanley Johnson, and he was a, a previous uh, Euro MP, member of parliament, and also perhaps better known for being an author. And among the, book, the books he He's best known for. He has written about a book called The Virus, which uh, is quite appropriate, I think. And also he's quite into eugenics, apparently, um, and population reduction. So, yeah, who knows? Maybe maybe he does or does not influence Boris. But uh, we should also just have a quick section through a few other people. Chris Whitty, this sort of uh, vaguely human individual who is the UK's chief medical officer, uh, he has been knighted recently. Uh, I can't imagine why, but um, apparently some people th thought he deserved to have a, a sword brought towards his neck. Um, I, I could probably support that, maybe go a little bit further even. But um, he is, uh, we, we should put this in perspective, very soon the UK uh, is going to reach the point where certain vaccination mandates are going to come into play. Um, so perhaps all of this bravado and these sort of noises coming from the House of Commons like a, like a farmyard um, are more of a distraction, actually, than the actual um, you know, reality of, of scolding Boris Johnson for inviting people for cheese and wine during lockdown. Then just one more thing as well. Jonathan Van Tam, maybe he's not the most well-known person from the rest of the planet, but he is a... The deputy, uh, I don't know if he's deputy chief medical officer or certainly the deputy medical officer. Um, he is, has an interesting name, Jonathan Van Tam. He has quit his position. 
So obviously there's some internal feud going on there. And I think it's worth just noting that his his name, origins, and uh, his lineage is, is quite fascinating as well. His father, uh, I think, was a school teacher, but his grandfather, nicknamed the Tiger of uh, Chai Le, was the prime minister of the state of Vietnam. And if you look into him, I think you'll find that uh, that he was quite an interesting character as well. And also, I think his uncle was um, a general in the same regime. So, you know, I, I can go on and on, but uh, I think to just pick on one more person, Sajid Javid, um, who I have no idea how he can possibly be qualified to do what he's doing in, in the UK government at the moment. He says the unvaxxed are standing on the shoulders of the vaxxed. Now, I think it's just worth pointing out in the same week, the headline reads, UK government says vaccinated are dying at a rate of 286% higher than the unvaccinated. So I think that's a perfect example just to show how um, you know, information which is 180 degrees away from the truth is being spouted and broadcast by these so-called uh, trusted politicians. So. I can go a lot more, but I think we should move forward. Kintia, would you like to, to join us? Oh, would I? <laughs> I am like, the, the, these last couple of days have been a real day of contrast because I went to help a family member and went to the ER um, two times, actually. And now they've put in place a new law where a rule that you cannot even have one visitor. So I was, of course, not very happy about that because the person that I had brought to the hospital was in such real pain that he wasn't really able to communicate everything that needed to get communicated. But I noticed also there was an elderly couple. They were in their 80s, and the wife was told she had to leave, you know, and I'm thinking this just does not make any sense at all at all so that was the the dark contrast and then this morning <laughs> I'm riding through this beautiful rural uh, part of northern California with horses in fact I stopped and took photos of the horses and I'm, I'm listening to the news and I had taken I'd taken my stepson to uh, his first day of school there because they moved up there and I was really pleased because there was a lot of outdoor activity. I could hear music going on. And the principal, a uh, very friendly man, was out there with no mask. And the kids were, you know, a few had masks, but they, it was very comfortable environment and very welcoming. And I felt great about that. So I'm leaving and I'm riding around and I'm seeing these horses and all this beautiful land and beautiful country. And then on comes the news report as I'm listening and it's saying, oh, the increase of COVID cases, da, da, da. And I okay, so I sort of like uh, tune that out. And then, then comes on <laughs> this newscaster and she's saying, and they've done a study that shows that wearing a mask is more makes you more attractive. <laughs> Can you imagine wearing a mask makes you more attractive? She goes on to say, perhaps it brings more focus to the eyes. <laughs> and I'm thinking like, right, okay, so you're covering up your mouth. And, uh, you know, 
your ability to communicate and how does that make you more attractive? I'm just wondering. I just couldn't believe it. I just, I thought, do people really believe this stuff? It's amazing to me. It really is. So that's all I want to share here. I'm so excited to be bringing on this guest, the Via Star. She's a friend of mine, goes way back. And uh, she's a delight. I've known her for years. And when I first uh, knew her, we were studying together. uh, uh, We had a mutual mentor, a spiritual mentor, and we were studying together. And then she moved out of state and I saw her. Facebook post and I and she reminded me of this beautiful medicine woman. You'd see her out in the mountains alone with uh, oh sage and uh, campfire and you know herbs and I'm thinking, wow, this looks so inviting. I'd love to be out there in nature and you'd see these beautiful uh, sunrises and sunsets and I thought. Wow, you know, this is this is the life. She's escaped this uh, crowded city area, and she's gone into this beautiful nature and this connection with nature. So I'm going to uh, share a little bit about her, and then we'll bring her on. Uh, she's an amazing woman. Savaya Star is a guide, educator, writer, and humanitarian supporting those moving through all stages of spiritual awakening, soul embodiment, and consciousness expansion in order to remember the sacred in body, life, and heart. Through a series of awakening events, Zavaya was updated to perceive multidimensional realities, understand spiritual technology, and activate her cellular gnosis to support this time of disclosure and planetary ascension. She facilitates all phases of soul initiation process through her education, mentorship, and discussions, endeavoring to bring empowerment, meaning, and inspiration to the often arduous and strange task of bringing consciousness back into form. Her mission, along with her guardian teams, is to support humanity at this time of planetary ascension in the restoration of solar consciousness. As an advocate for all people to remember their true divinity in order to rise upward in full expression of their true and evolutionary potential. Welcome to the show, Zavaya. Thank you I'm so, so happy to welcome you to the other side of the news. <laughs> Thank you, Kinthia. Thank you, Timothy, Annetta, and, and everyone. It's really just such an honor to be here. I'm so glad we could come together. And I just want to thank you all for your courageous, tireless, and resilient efforts. 85 episodes, I think Timothy said. So it's just a joy to be here in conversation with a community of heart-aligned individuals. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you for saying yes to coming on. Mm -hmm. So I hinted at this evolution that you went through, my own personal experience of you earlier, and 
what you've gone through. And I'd like to explore that with you to let our audience know a little bit about your journey and what has brought you to come so powerfully forward as a teacher. Thank you. It's very interesting you brought that in, Cynthia, because last time I saw you would have been when I was living in my my urban forest of San Francisco, and then I moved to the Rocky Mountains where I entered a seven-year cycle of what we could call a forest dweller life, and that initiated me into my higher soul aspect, and it was, I often joke that the, the more beautiful the pictures, the harder time I was having <laughs> And so it's funny how you're sharing, you know, there was some really beautiful imagery, but um, it was a really, um, it was a a fierce initiation uh, cycle for me. And yeah. So what I noticed in all of these pictures was that you were very, I had the impression that it was really an an internal event, like you were really self-sourced. Is that accurate? I mean, like you weren't going to some group of people. It was, I really got that you were tuning into your own inner knowing. And that's something I believe we all have. Yes, I was being initiated into that. And it was a very isolated existence. And it was, uh, you know, it was going through many, many, many cycles of enormous purification. And what I had around me was the sun my chickadees, the trees, the snow, the nature, and they became my my fiercest allies and my closest friends during those seven years. And it was also beautiful. And I would able I was able to share that with the outer world. I sort of felt it was my obligation to share that, though. What was really going on behind the scenes was quite immense, very anomalous, and and very arduous. But really, kind of galvanized me and built the strength that you know we all need to stand here right now we sure do and that's exactly why you're on this show because we want to know more about that i'm going to take us to break and then we can explore that edge of it i want to remind everyone that zavaye is um, always standing in devotion to the light of truth higher love and sovereign power and at this extraordinary time She is working to return us to the sacred age. So you are listening to the other side of the news. Our guest tonight is Zavaya Starr, and the show is called Sovereign Empowerment. And co-hosting with me are Timothy Saunders, Annette Driscoll, and myself, Kinzia. We shall return. Just remember the virus that they say that is making everybody sick. Nowhere in the world, not one country, not one institution, not the CDC, nobody has this virus that's making us sick on file. It does not exist. All the Freedom of Information Acts are empty over and over again. The virus nowhere exists. So if that is correct, and that's what they're telling us, how in the world can they be testing for it? How in the world can they be making this kind of injection to put in us to 
save us from this. So we need to start asking the obvious questions because by science and medicine, that makes no sense. I've never heard of that before. Were we able to purchase all those? And this was supposed to be a novel infection. You start looking at the big picture, you start looking at everything, you'll find this is actually a planned pandemic. This is not actually what they're telling us in the media. So then you have to ask the bigger question, why? So we have to look closely into this and what's very concerning is that none of the manufacturers or our government will allow any of us to analyze the vials. It's illegal for us to analyze them. They won't let us look in there. Well, why? If there's nothing to hide, why can't we see what's inside these vials? Because right now we have no proof that this virus even exists. What made people sick around the world, in my opinion, is many different things. And they used a testing mechanism that was faulty and that could cross-react with anything. It could literally cross-react with bacteria, with other flus, with other colds, false positives. So that's meaningless. So there's no proof of this supposed, you know, bad, weird virus affecting everybody. This is Dr. Carrie Made on the other side of the news. And I'm excited to be here because we have freedom of speech and no censorship. And welcome back to the other side of the news. Uh, this is Kinthea with Timothy Saunders and Annette Driscoll. And our wonderful guest tonight is Zavaye Star. And the show is called Sovereign Empowerment. So, Zavaye, before we went to break, you mentioned how you had gone into this time of seclusion and inner introspection. And... I'm aware in looking at your website and in speaking with you that you've brought in a whole new vocabulary around spirituality. And I would love it if you could share how is this how is this different than what most people have considered to be spirituality? What what did you discover in this time of introspection? What came forward from this inner knowing that's for the future, that's initiating us into this time of great change? That's a beautiful question. Thank you for asking it. It's, it's, a, it's a very big question, so I'll do my best to unpack it. But, um, you know, when the soul initiation phases start, when, when you know, we're all alert and aware humans here and when we've opted into this path of of consciousness and really are kind of hopping aboard the train of of sovereignty there's there's no getting off (laughs) and it moves you through various cycles um you know the the early 
stages of soul initiation activate sort of what I like to call the wash, rinse, and repeat cycles, where you're moving through purification, you're, you're addressing your traumas, you're doing all the shadow work, you're sort of having to get cleared out. And when that's happened, it happens sufficiently enough, then we can, we're clear enough of kind of the lower personality matrix and, you know, all of that. Um, and it's not linear, it always sort of spirals back, but then we make space to really move into the next layers. You know, we can call those early stages of awakening, those phases that we all know of metamorphosis, right? Moving from the caterpillar to the butterfly. And then then we move into more what's like a process of morphogenesis. And in this context, what I mean by morphogenesis is we start bringing down the soul into the body where we start to accrete more light frequency solar consciousness back into form and it's 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 very much a morphogenetic process of bringing energy back into the physical vehicle and nature was what really initiated me into this process because the soul initiation phases, when they get real, can be you're in the initiatory tunnel. You can really, they can get very anomalous. Um, they distanced me from a lot of people and that most of my mentors and things wouldn't have understood what I was going to, moving through. And it was looking to nature. It was spending time with the rising sun and listening to what the solar rays every morning of every dawn had to say to me, listening and, and being in deep conversation with the land of having to, not having to, but the, the mountains, the mountain apus, the spirits of the mountains would start to move into deep intimacy with me. The trees, the guardian trees, the beautiful conifer trees, the spruces and the firs that I had around me would start, um, giving me advice and because there were so many cycles of I don't know what to do because I was in the tunnel where there's really no one you're just you just have to keep going through the tunnel I I had to reinitiate myself back into my connection with nature which I didn't have before living in you know the the concrete jungle of downtown San Francisco before that for 22 years um, and when I was able to do that come back into this the, the universal law of cycles understanding the principles of everything has a has a winter, a spring, a summer, a harvest season, and then moves across the threshold from dying to rebirth, um, having to carry people during that time through dying cycles. My father, my mother was dying during that time. Um, there was a lot of death and rebirth up for me in just constant cyclical ways. So this cycles that you're speaking of are you finding that we can only reach that awareness if we go out in nature i mean it's it seems to be that we're cut off from it in big cities because you have light all night you know you don't know when it's sunrise when it's sunset sometimes you're just constantly going and we hear all the time about connecting with gaia being aware of the energy of Gaia and we're hearing more and more about the consciousness of Gaia and I'm wondering can you address what is what do we do for those who live in the city or do we all move out of the city how do you see this 
Well, it's a really big question right now. And I think, you know, at this juncture, where we are in this phase of, of what I refer to as the bifurcation, meaning we're, we're sort of straddling this reality of the old reality, the dissension and the ascension. And there's sort of this bleed through, right? And we're all sort of in that, you know, we're all straddling that ever widening chasm in very real and personal ways right now. You know, ultimately, this is, a war over consciousness. It's a spiritual war that's a battle between anti-life and life forces. And we know that being corralled into cities is actually easier for the anti-life forces, right? Because the electrification of the environment is much more intense. You're, you have a harder time being in nature. You, you're more removed from getting your feet on the ground or your body in a body of water or seeing the sunrise or the sunset. But for those who are in nature, I mean, who are living in the urban environments, um, you know, it's, it's really important to consider elemental. And, and that is the thing in the fiercest fires of initiation, getting my body on the earth, getting my feet on the earth, getting my body in a body of water. If that was a bathtub with Epsom salts, or various other detoxification baths, or, um, you know, uh, spending time with the sun, recognizing the beauty of those, the rising dawn, looking to the elements, the sky, the clouds, the air, whatever you can do. And there's little ways we can do that. You know, when we're in an urban environment, we can maybe go to a park, we can grow something, we can cultivate life, we can ferment food, we can sprout food, we can take a bath. You know, there's just, I always recommend right now, we have to find whatever way we can, wherever we are to reconnect with the elements, the elements. It's the most powerful Mm. thing we can do. Yes, I, I, I really feel that this morning, as I said, when I was out in nature and I kept being struck by the luscious greenness of the grass. It was like, it, it looked, it looked fluorescent. Honestly, I'm driving along, I'm taking this two hour drive and I could see the, the distant colors, you know, kind of lavenders of the distant hills. And the browns of, and blacks of these trees that are barren because it's still winter. But this grass was so green. And I was feeling like my eyes were just drinking in this color. And that's not something you think about when you're in in a city <laughs> surrounded by concrete. And uh, just the, even the idea of going barefoot, people need to go barefoot, I think, more often. There's this connectedness about being in body. And I know that we keep hearing about, oh, okay, we're evolving as a species. We're evolving as a species. And there's the new human. Well, you know, like you say, the anti-life forces would say that's an AI human. Mm-hmm. And the new human, as as spiritual teachers are talking about, is different. But there is something about moving from being so mental, uh, you know, always in your head, always in your thoughts, always blah, 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 to being a part of earth, a part of the experience, like where you're, you're, 
you're appreciating nature, but you're not separate from nature. You recognize, you experience being with nature, in nature, of nature, one with nature. And I really, I really sense that about you, that there's that energy that you're carrying forward, which has to do with this connection to the earth. And I know we could go a lot deeper in this topic. I actually want to create some space here for either Timothy or Anetta to jump in because I think this is a place where they would like to jump in. I could take you all night, but I don't want to. <laughs> <laughs> I want to share the goodies. Okay. <laughs> uh, well. Uh, I would like to kind of go off in a little bit different direction. I had the privilege of speaking uh, to Savaya night before last or something, Uh, and I did ask a question that's been on my mind. Uh, I have mentioned this before on previous shows about, uh, well, let me me go back just a few, few steps here and say that Savaya has a very good grasp without going into it, uh, uh, the medical situation that we have in front of us and understands the whole jabber thing and, you know, all of that. So we don't have to go back over that, done it so many times. Uh, so let's just start from that point. And I wanted to, I, I had asked her about the situation where I have noticed in many individuals, in particular, the one that was super dramatic for me was my mother decided to take the jabber and has suffered immensely from it um and um but when she did she appeared to have a total personality change and i had looked up on the various reporting data and there are a lot of psychological um aspects to this a lot of people have had experienced a lot of mental health issues around it um, personality changes so i had to ask her about that so I'm, i'm just kind of setting the stage here for the question so I, I wanted to get her view, which I'm going to have her share with you, on on what is happening there and how that's working uh, when people get the jab. And, and you know, that that's the first part of the question. So we'll start there. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Okay, beautiful. And we've just leaped across the chasm here. We're, we're diving in. <laughs> From a forest to here we are. So the... Um, you know, what you're witnessing is, is very common and, you know, it's not the board. So there's so many layers to what's in that injection, right? There's so many components that have been identified within the physical domain, right? There's a parasite, there's a spike protein, there's the mRNA, there's the hydra, there's the graphene oxide, all those have different things. And then there's the sort of the unseen uh, spell behind what this was meant to do and the larger kind of um, uh, intention around it, right? And these are all just really deep layers and a lot of us are putting pieces together. But what happens when, um, for some, you know, it's, it's really going to depend. It's going to depend on your physical constitution. It's going to depend on your energetic constitution you know like what's going on in your body are you are you um, entirely dormant and asleep to this are you sort of like and eh, I didn't really want to take it but I did you know are you it, it, there's so many things 
but we are noticing sort of a personality shift and for some, and some are noticing what we would just call that, that sort of spiral in the eyes, right? That like hypnotized glaze look um, and not with everyone, but with some. And so there's different things that we could bring into the field around what this is. Um, you've consented to something by letting something, having a needle puncture your skin, right? We, in this realm, when we talk about sovereignty, what it means to be sovereign, you always need to think of where you're placing your intent, your consent, and who you're giving your authority to. So when you, um, without thinking about it, without researching it, allow something to be injected under your skin, you're automatically consenting to everything within that um, for the most part, for the most part, you know, the, the general majority of people who are getting this injection are automatically un- then under consent to what that is. So there's certain components to this. So we've got the graphene oxide, right, which we know is playing off and creating this, um, um, turning you into a potential antenna with the electrification of the atmosphere through Wi-Fi and through that, that kind of makes you a broadcasting station for something else. You know, that could be potential mind control fields that are beaming through people. You know, this, this AI world we live in, part of the mind control frequencies that are beamed out are beamed out through Wi-Fi and and all the other things that are just zipping and zapping through the air. But um, so that's one component. And then another component is that something can happen that we would, we could refer to as people can become a portal, a dark portal. And this happens anytime you allow something else, you're, you're at risk for this. Anytime you allow something else to occupy your consciousness, so anytime you take um, a, a substance that alters your consciousness, you know, where you kind of check out for a while, that can make you open to other things. Um, our addictions can open us up to other things. Our um, emotional fragmentation can open us up to other things. Our own trauma not being addressed can open us up to other things. But there's other forces that can move in through you through someone and then target someone on the receiving end. So it's possible and maybe you maybe give me, gave me a glimpse the other night that something that might happen for you is when you're in the presence of this person, possibly you sense a, a new leverage of attack against you. And I, I guess I just want to check in if, if you're noticing sort of um, a new, not attack, but there's something else that's different about her coming towards you but well, is that yeah, you, you can um uh, actually because she'll never listen to me on this show i can speak freely uh <laughs> but uh yeah she and, and initially she totally withdrew and and really uh didn't want anything to do with me and this has gone on since february but this week uh she had a it was almost like something else took over uh mm-hmm. and it was very, very vicious. Uh, you know, the vitriol was incredible. I mean, uh, you know, uh, attacking. Mm-hmm. And um, 
you know, things that you would never want to hear from anyone, let alone your mother. So uh, I, I've, I've had this issue, but uh, I never thought that I would hear quite to the level. And I thought this, this doesn't even, I mean, I've always had issues with her and it's been a difficult relationship. However, I would never have thought that it could go to the level that it did. And it's, and I feel like um, my, my intuitive side or the, the part of me that's kind of looking at this whole thing says, well, that, that's not even her. It's like something else took over the, you know, took over yeah. the program there. That's what it feels like. So, yeah. And, if I can, uh, yeah. Yeah. I just, and there's so many things So you know, we know that, what's going on in the physiology of the body of many of these people, there's, there's a battle going on inside, right? There's a battle over their blood, over their DNA. So that can cause some sort of inner unrest, right? Some fragmentation, the cognitive dissonance that everyone is under right now. So there's so many things. And I just want to offer for any of us, as we move through such an enormous juncture under trying to not make it about the person moving ourselves into some sort of neutral observer of the situation, holding compassion, um, but trying not to take it personally and also understanding when we need to get out of the space if, if something else is um, occupying or running, if that person is running a different frequency, let's say, you know, it's just it's best to remove yourself from the environment. If you can, you know. Yeah, I would totally agree. I wanted to, I actually, that's why I live in California, you know, it's across the country. But um, I wanted to also talk about what you had experienced. You had mentioned a uh, a person who had gotten the the jab and that you had noticed or seen the dark, like the core, the, the darkening of the core. And I thought that was, it's disturbing and fascinating. Um, what, what your experience is with that? Yeah. So, um, so through my own personal witnessing of, of clients, and then being um, having other energy healers in my sphere, um, and I'm sure you've had people on the show talking about this. We are witnessing um, a big impact on the spiritual bodies. That there's sort of um, a severing between the soul body, the etheric bodies, and the physical bodies. And I did um, have someone share with me who um, uh, did decide to get uh, probably the first phase of the injections. Um, just in, in a way, she was not consenting to what it would, could do to her own physical body, meaning I'm going to do this. I need to do it for work. They're not going to hurt me. You know, I'm, I'm good. I've got this. And then she has a strong meditation practice and she went in and her central channel, her hara line, which it usually was white and bright and well lit and, and beaming became just a, this dark tube. And she saw that in her inner spaces from a place of witnessing. She's a very interesting person in that she can go into very strange journey places and witness them very neutral. And she was able to do that in her own body and not get triggered by seeing that she came out of the meditation and she realized, she said, I didn't, I wasn't worried about what it would do to my physical body, but I never thought about what it would do to my spiritual body. And we've had many people. And then she had an energetic um, healer work on her that tried to be that. I've also had someone else's, kind of 
you know, disconnected soul visit me after they were vaccinated. And, and many people have stories like this. Yes, I, I've got quite a few. We're, we're, we're not that long from break, but I did want to talk about one other thing. And it was something I've mentioned before. Uh, and I, it's not my name. I mean, I just call it this because I've heard other people refer to it, which is the voice of God, uh, which appears to be a, um, like a, a mind control, an MK ultra. And we don't, we're not sure exactly uh, how they're transmitting these frequencies, whether they're using spiritual entities or they're using 5G or probably all of the above. But there are people that have been targeted, and I, I certainly had the experience three times now. And uh, I know that we talked about this, and you had had many people that you've, you've heard this, and, and I wanted you to, to give our audience what your feeling is on that and, and maybe a story or two. Okay, yeah. So we live in this initi- very interesting planetary situation that has enormous mind control, in case anyone didn't notice the past couple of years. And so, um, again, that moves through sort of the unseen fields, that moves through social media, it moves through all your technology. It's just, it's just there. Now, those people who are um, aware of what is going on are less, um, less available for that mind control. They're a little bit immune to it, but we also can witness when it's happening. So there are times where people can be out and about in a grocery store or, um, and there's many stories like this where all of a sudden you'll have a thought of, you know what, I want to leave the planet, you know, beam me up, Scotty, I'm done here. And they've never had that thought move through their head before. Um, so, you know, those poor programs kind of get piped into the field to, to take people out. Um, some people have had stories of they're totally not into getting vaccinated, but they're just sort of out and about and they have this thought form go through their head of, why don't I just do it? It would just be so much easier out of nowhere. And most people are able to recognize it, though some people aren't. I, I do have a story of someone who is just, you know, she's a prepper, she's a survivalist, she's got a whole, like, you know, I just went through some training with her on wound care, because we're not going to the hospital anymore, and we all need to know, you know, we all need to know how to do survival first aid and such, and then this person was out and about one day, and just was like, ah, I just decided, why not, I'll just get vaccinated, you know, and then came back with this glazed look in her eye, apparently, so there's a lot of stories around this where that happens. God, the voices we hear in our head, that goes up through the layers, meaning we can get these larger voices of, I need to do this for God, or I'm here to be a savior of something. And and those are some of the things I had to learn in my forest dwelling days is how to differentiate the, the real voices from the distortions. Right. And so, yes, that's just it. So when I had the experience, just quickly, uh, at the first time it happened, I, I was like, what is this? And I didn't have any ideas. Like, this is so weird. Why would I be thinking that? That's just not me. It was actually saying to go get the vaccine, by the way, like, like you were saying. And it's not a vaccine. Sorry for calling it that. Anyway, uh, I was supposed to go out and get the jab. And then, you know, I had, and I actually had the like, yeah, time to, you know, check out. Why don't you just, why don't you just quit fighting so hard to stay alive? You know, you can just let go and die. So these kind of things, I had both of those plus a third one. 
And it's very weird because you know it's not you, and yet it's coming towards you. So I'd like to get in that deeper, but we're right at the break. So I'm going to take us out, and um, tonight's show is Sovereign Empowerment. And uh, we have our guest, Zavaya uh, Star. And it's, uh, I'll be back with our co-host, Timothy Saunders and Kinthea, right after the break. side of midnight.com talk radio with pictures on demand liberate your hyperdimensional time scale and non-linearly access over 400 hours of conversation at the cutting edge of science and thought join club 19.5 to get access to exclusive content that fits your interests and time schedule filter episodes by guest or subject. Membership costs $9.95 a month, $0.33 a day. Talk radio with pictures on demand. The other side of midnight.com. Seventy-two vaccines. Your children will get, um, as of right now, before they're eighteen, and that number is doubling very quickly in the near future. And guys, the thing that bothered me so much is I had no idea back then in '98 that there were a lot of people talking about vaccines. But what I know now, and what I learned in 2010, and your listeners have to understand this: in 2010, the U.S. Supreme Court ruled that all vaccines are unavoidably unsafe. And let me say that again. Um, 2010, the U.S. Supreme Court ruled that all vaccines are unavoidably unsafe. This should be very eye-opening to anybody out there because what they're telling you that now is if you vaccinate your children, you have to deal with the consequences because they've just told you that all vaccines are unavoidably unsafe. And more so that now, in 2018, Robert Kennedy Jr. and Dr. Big Tree put in the Health and Freedom of Information Act to have the safety studies released, okay? If your listeners don't know this, in 1986, Ronald Reagan passed the Vaccine Injury Act, which said the vaccine companies are exempt of any and all liability. But Reagan said, look, if we're going to give them blanket liability, we've got to at least make them do safety studies every other year. Not every year, but every other year. So they sued to have those safety studies released. And we've always heard that vaccines are safe and effective, safe and effective, safe and effective. But when they got the report back, it was 100% empty. Not one single safety study has been done on any of the vaccines since 1986. This should be very, very, very disturbing to all you guys. that's what began to wake me up 
as far as vaccines were my children back in 98 when the medical doctors couldn't give me the safety studies. Guys, this is Christopher Key. Never forget it. It's Christ Ofer. Christ is in me. He's in my name. Never forget my last name. It's Key, K-E-Y. God's given us the keys to unlock the doors that Satan never wanted unlocked, and we do it for our children. I so enjoyed the show tonight. The other side of the news is beyond fabulous. And welcome back. You're listening to The Other Side of the News, and tonight's show is entitled Sovereign Empowerment. I'm Timothy Saunders, and I'm with Kintia and Aneta. And our guest this evening is Zivaya Starr. Zivaya, we were just touching on some darker thoughts uh, before the break with Aneta. I'd like to take a step a little bit sideways, if I may. Uh, you mentioned that you had chosen to isolate yourself from the city, from the noise, uh, to expose yourself to nature, to the elements, to, who knows, the, the, the stars, the influences that perhaps people are more sensitive to when the noise has disappeared. Um, do you think that the voices you were hearing, I mean, did, did, they, did they come to you very clearly? Initially, I'm not saying they're exactly voices like conversation, but I would imagine from my own experiences uh, with light bodies through Orin and Darwin and so on, that these transmissions were like a new language. It's almost like you first had to understand, is that a letter? Is that a vowel? Is that a consonant? Is that a number? And then build it up in a language that you could understand. And it, it actually took sort of uh, some time to understand these transmissions were, in fact, communication at all. I mean, did, did you have a an experience along those lines or did something perhaps something completely different? Uh, it's very interesting. So before, when I was living my, my urban forest life, my urban concrete jungle life, I... The, the earliest facilitation and spiritual work that I was doing was working within the etheric realm, working within the Akashic record of others. And so there's a, 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 there's a natural proclivity in my architecture, Timothy, that I can, that I can speak and dialogue with unseen forces. Um, up until my nature point, um, it was very specific. I would open a session, kind of bring in the soul facets of what someone's soul essence wanted to say, close the session, carry on with my day. When I moved to the forest, I became intimate with all of it, with the voices of the forest, with the voices of the mountain, with the voices of the sacred sun, and the the strange things that taunt you in between. Um, and I also learned a different dialogue, meaning like I could be, I used to have this beautiful deer family that would, one would sleep outside my bedroom and would nap outside my bedroom every day. And I, I started to notice when I was more present, if I was in a, in a heart coherent space, meaning I wasn't in the monkey mind, I wasn't in panic. If I was in a place of heart and really operating from there, 
nature would engage with me more. Um, I would walk up to a tree and ask for advice, and then I would listen. You just listen. Really, all you have to do is listen. And we so often don't create the space to listen. I think the language is in the making ourselves available and the listening, being willing to put down the phone, being willing to just sit with curiosity in presence. But for me, I, I, again, I have all sorts of things that are always trying to get in and talk to me and that would serve some hard lessons I learned. But for mm. most people, <laughs> I, I think what nature wants to engage with you, it wants to talk to you and it wants to tell you a story. You know, these are our, this is, these are our wise elders here. You know, the tree, I would sit with some of these trees. I was living on um, Ute land, which was where some of the, the native, um, the native Americans on the land that I was on. And I would witness these trees were talking with them. These trees witnessed their massacre. These trees have so much more to tell me if I just open the space and come into dialogue. It's a relationship. Zivaya, do you believe this communication is uh, something which continues? In other words, is it is it like a, a, what some people may term like a quantum communication? I mean, do you think that the trees are currently still communicating with events that previously happened relative to us, but so you actually have a dialogue with perhaps elders from, you know, indigenous people from America. I mean, is that something which is, can that happen or was that just a segment of my imagination? No, you can go in. Uh, I had a client once who had a very in-depth conversation with a Palo Santo stick. I mean, everything has consciousness. Everything has consciousness. And you can ask a tree for wisdom. You know, trees are just really specific in that um, they all have a story to tell and a certain tree is going to be of a certain lineage. Um, but they also are aware of the broader field, meaning I, I became very acutely aware once in the forest I was living in, the trees that I was living with were very aware there was a forest fire tearing down a mountain 20 miles away. Right. Like they were alert and they knew because of the undercurrent of what was moving through the ground and their little um, either through the, the fungi or however they communicate. But they're communicating the trees are many trees are kind of a cosmic pillar. They are they're sort of these anchor points that bring in these cosmic energies. So take it. You know, Tell me, Timothy, what can I unpack for you around this or what you want to how do you want to. There's so much there, and it's all real. But <laughs> talking oh, I, with me is I'm, different than talking with a rock. <laughs> or <laughs> no, I I, I, can I can appreciate that. Thanks. But no, I'm just really. I mean, we we have not talked before. Um, obviously, Kintia knows yeah. you for some some time, and and Anessa has spoken with you before. So for me, this is uh, it's discovery. This conversation. So I'm just really also asking questions that may. You know, maybe prompt some some questions or dialogue, which may be interesting for our, our listeners. I mean, for example, you know, you just said that trees communicate with each other over, over great distances. I mean, that's something which I've certainly read about and thought about a lot before. Um, but you know, if you go along with a sort of mainstream school education, then a tree is a tree, and it has nothing to do with the tree next to it, pretty much. So, modern science, I think, 
even admits that trees do communicate. Trees even will protect each other uh, through communicating through root systems. You know, if yeah. one has a damage or one is you know, needs some repair or has a disease or something, and the other ones may even assist. So, yeah, that's absolutely fascinating. So, really, I am going somewhere with this conversation. I'm just really just trying to lay out some, some stepping stones. Um, so, what we're talking about is your communicating with um, the elements you're communicating um, potentially so with wisdom stored in some of these elements uh, going inwards do you also communicate with your own DNA do you, with your own cells your own level of health immunity and so on yes that's a beautiful question thank you for bringing it there so I'm I'm one that we would call who's on the Gnostic path, and the the Gnostic path is to move into a very intimate, deep connection with Source. It's, there's no intermediary of religion or guru or um, any point of worship in between you and Source. And that devotional path, you start to as we move through the deeper soul initiation awakening phases phases and our heart complex um, opens more and more we start to activate what i call our own cellular knowing our gnosis and the lineages that would have held very true to this would have been the essenes the gnostics and then most recently the cathars but there's this the the beautiful thing and the important thing that everyone um, wants to be aware of is that we hold within our DNA the living libraries of all that is, meaning all the knowledge, all of the wisdom, all of the galactic history, all of your soul's history is actually held inside of you. And when you know that, it's a beautiful opportunity of curiosity of like, wow, I want to take the opportunity to unpack that. For me, the injection would never have been an option for many, many, many reasons, but also from the point of I am in this very interesting embodiment in this life where I get to restore a certain template in bringing more, more consciousness into form. They want our DNA. They don't get my DNA this go round and I will keep that as pure and cultivate that and unpack that and explore that and, and unlock it as much as possible. Um, so I do, it's a very extraordinary experience once cellular memory starts to turn on. It's not a download from somewhere else. It's not a book you've read. It's a knowing that comes from your bones. It comes inside of you. Um, I, I totally totally go along with that. I mean, there are times in life when you absolutely know something. It's so, you know, I, I literally say every cell in my body knows this is the right answer. And yes. you get, that's the way I, ex, I express it. But, you know, maybe it's illogical if you, if you put it on a spreadsheet or if you try and explain it through mathematics or some other, you know, method, methodology. But there's no question. I know 100% that is absolutely the right answer and that is the right decision to make according, accordingly. But, um, it, it's interesting you say that you know, the information is stored within. I, I, I've had conversations with Richard Hoagland uh, many times. Uh, he's one of his his aims is to find the library, the library which records all the data about humanity, for example. And I, I've said all along that I think it's within us, it, it, within each of us. 
we hold yes. the library in our DNA. I mean, yeah. there's certainly enough capacity to hold it. And I think that this is a good point to jump from sort of the pre, you know, preliminary conversation I'm having with you to the next part, which is, uh, it, it seems to me that we, as a, as a in this stage of humanity, we've been, uh, what can I say? I mean, people talk about things like the pineal gland being calcified. We talk about, um, you know, being full of uh, genetically engineered food and, and fluoride in the water and, and you know, any number of other obvious sort of um, toxins and, and, and things to actually sort of reduce our capacity as maybe what our full potential could be. Mm-hmm. I think that, that goes a lot further. And I would say that perhaps even for you know, hundreds, maybe thousands of years, that we, we've been devolving uh, from maybe a far more sort of potent and powerful state. And I, I wonder if, if you would, you know, if, if you would agree that all of us, every each and every one of us on this planet has the ability to connect uh, with, um, you know, obviously elements and, and cells and DNA. And as you say, if you take it a stage further to, to what you call source, um, I would say that is a, a normal ability that everybody should have. But it seems that our uh, civilization, or those programming our civilization, um, have steered us into the different direction to where we are now. Would you, would you agree with that? Or yes, to... it's beautiful. It's it's our sovereign birthright to be in full remembering of who we are, and I mean, you know, you, long memories of of who you've always been, and to be in conscious conversation, aware conversation with everything around you, with a tree, with a bird, with the sky, with the clouds, with the sun, with God's source, that that is our natural divine embodiment. So at one point, we were what we could refer to as homo sanctus, the sacred human. And that means we were able to hold more of our pure divinity in form. And a very long time ago, you know, thousands and thousands, we've moved through this dark eon because we've sort of, we've had a a fall. We've had a, you could think of it as an architecture. You could think of it as a collapsing bridge of falling into lower dimensional timelines, which brings us to where we are here, what we could call a prison planet or sort of this phantom matrix where we have been cut off from our true authentic nature, sort of, you know, bifurcated from our own connection to consciousness and soul. And we've sort of moved through a long meandering dark eon where I like to say, you know, we've had some of these original peoples that we would look to and, and, you know, from our current point and, you know, without looking into hidden histories and things, we could look at, you know, certain populations that we would call the wisdom keepers. And, And those people have had a very interesting and important thing where, in spite of all the odds, in spite of all the genocides, in spite of all the massacres and the the attacks against these very specific populations, they have kept the, the, the undercurrent of the deeper wisdom alive of we are connected to not only the earth hoop, but we're connected to a much larger cosmic hoop. We're supposed to be in alignment with the sacred, with nature, with all that is, and not only walking in reverence to that, but as part of it and in just in utter respect for that. Um, we're now in this beautiful time where we are in this 
planetary ascension cycle, where I like to say where the wisdom keepers are coming back online, meaning the wisdom is starting to release and unpack and crack open from our own cells again, meaning the wisdom is now returning through us when we cultivate it and, and stay curious about it. And I'm a total purist in terms of, you know, we need AI for some things, obviously, and, you know, it's so cool. We get to connect, you know, when there's a planetary lockdown and have these beautiful conversations. And then at the same time, that's where they, you know, that's where the anti-life agenda is taking us. You know, the computers are, computers are so powerful. What I love when people get curious about what you're bringing in here, Timothy, is this beautiful thing of, there's a level of consciousness, there's a level of my own human capability of my own human computer system that I haven't even begun to unpack. And I want to get curious about that. Well, absolutely. That, yes. Yeah. I mean, that, that, that's really what I'm, I'm, I'm going for is because I think that if, if we look at our history, you know, we can say it's obvious that the discoveries and technical technological advancements we've made are you know, logical to make, but they're only illogical if you are on that particular path. And it seems that humanity has been led down this path. I mean, for example, you know, the written word came after speaking. So, you know, traditionally, you go back a, mm-hmm. quite a long time, there were no books. People would hand down their stories, their histories, and people would have the capacity to remember them accurately and pass them down through generations. You know, we had feet, we have legs to walk on, the, uh, but now we have cars and now we have helicopters and, and so on and so on. So they're all very logical if you're on that particular path, but in, in every circle, there's 360 degrees, so you can go in all different directions um, in, in terms of evolution. But, but I think that what I was saying earlier is I think that you know, this has been less about evolution, maybe a te- technological evolution, but it's certainly a I'd say a spiritual devolution. And yeah. what we're looking at is, I'm not saying that, you know, perhaps we all have telepathy and we have telekinesis and other powers like this. I mean, these are things which are sort of put into us through modern uh, movies. And, and, and I, I can't think of the word I want to say right now, but you know, what, you know what I'm saying? That could also just be like a sort of a, uh, almost a controlled opposition thought to sort of, you know, uh, just just ridicule the the idea of going back in any other direction. But what I do see what humanity is doing is it constantly tries to emulate what the the human could be, the sovereign human could be in, in its full capacity. For example, uh, if if we look at you know communications, as I say, uh, it, it is now that. Now we, we have things like conversation being replaced by chatting on social media. Now, is that really an improvement? Well, it, you can go further, like we're talking right now in real time uh, from different continents on the planet. So that, that's, that's pretty good. But on the other hand, um, did I talk to my neighbor today or did I talk to anybody else in, in the village I live in? Uh, no, I didn't know. So I, I don't even know who lives in the village around me. So. You know, while there are advancements, there are certain negative uh, points as well. But it, it just seems that we, we've come to a point where we are almost turning our human body into a technic- technological avatar um, 
of our former self. And the big difference is that instead of us being in command of our, or us communicating directly with, let's say, universal, universal consciousness, for example, it's now with the, with the technological avatar, we're almost like being hacked by Meta, by Google, by Apple, by, you know, you can list the whole, whether it's the CIA or, or DARPA, or whatever it is, you know, I can list the whole page full of these uh, abbreviations, but it's not our thoughts. So, so what is all that about and where is it coming? Why, are we, why, is, why is humanity going this way, do you think? Hmm. So do you mean why is humanity going in the direction of the AI or can you, can you pinpoint, I want to make sure I understand exactly. Well, what I'm trying to suggest is I'm not obviously asking you to agree with me. I'm just asking, just provoking a, a question is that why do you think humanity is taking this path where we're emulating ourselves with lesser, less good versions of ourselves? Why are we in a, in a, a spiritual devolution and a technological evolution? Why, why is that path being chosen and who or what is guiding us to do that, do you think? Yes, gotcha. So we're in an interesting situation where we're all now going to be pressed into make a deciding point with this. And... So where we could say we're all being siphoned into the metaverse, into the AI timeline, that's, that's one option. Um, that option is actually um, for people who I, I would refer to in a very broad sweeping stroke, here to be the evolutionaries. They are here to make a leap in consciousness, which it's a leap consciousness but I also, it's really the restoration. It's the restoration back to being in alignment with universal law, natural law, being in, in, back in alignment with life. And so right now we're in this really very strange circumstance where many people are moving more and more and more into, I'm turning myself into an avatar and I communicate through a like or a heart or a thumbs up. And that's a dialogue all of a sudden. Um, and we've been forced to have this converse, this, you know, it's just this, the paradox of this global lockdown we've been under that I know many people are finding themselves completely isolated from humans around them because we're in this overlapping of worlds. But at the same time, we're connecting here. We're connecting with every heart who's listening here, who's part of this conversation that's being the remembering of what it's all about, which is living from our heart, coming back into our more conscious self, which is just exploring what it means to be our true authentic self. And as we, you know, Ultimately, we will be getting back more to being in a harmonic connection with nature, and that will also mean we're back in connection with humans. But right now, we're at a choice point, meaning some people are really going to continue on their de-evolutionary pathway. But the beautiful thing, you know, in the bleakness of all that, there's a counterpoint to that, where there is a very high level of consciousness that's being returned to this planet that hasn't been able to access our stratosphere for thousands of years 
that's facilitating the dismantling of some of these things where then we get to move into a different type of technology, which could be possibly um, it's more life enhancing and not life depleting, but we're also, it's part of us in a way that we're connected to nature as well, but it's not, we're living our lives as these, you know, the de-evolution is going to stop, but what we're witnessing right now over these next couple of years is the crash point of that, where mm. humans are going to be asked to decide. And that's going to get, there, there's an astrological influence I won't get into, but I see that really reaching a pinnacle by 220, 2027. Whoever's curious about that, that's the Uranus and Taurus point, which I believe, believe puts us up against, are you choosing anti-life or are you choosing to get back engaged with your mm. natural self, with who you're called to be in in your natural capacity and this whole thing we're going through right now is pushing people to that edge in many 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 ways well there are are many different timelines depending on where you look obviously if you're looking at sort of the uh the technological timelines or the the new world order timelines or the spiritual timelines or the Akashic timelines or the, uh, the planetary timelines. I mean, they're they're all different messages. A lot of them are converging to similar dates. A lot of dates are coming up Mm -hmm. again and again. Perhaps we can get into that a little bit later. I mean, I'm not necessarily interested in this as well, but um, in the meantime, we are coming up on a break. Uh, You're listening to the other side of the news. I'm Timothy Saunders speaking with Kibaya Star and Kintia and Annette Driscoll. And this show is entitled Sovereign Empowerment. We'll be back shortly. I wrote a couple of weeks ago that says, am I being selfish? And I said, absolutely, but I'm not doing this for me. I'm doing this for my grandchildren and my grandchildren's children. I see the loss of rights and freedoms. I've lived long enough to know what's happened here, and I cannot stand back and simply comply. I'm going to resist those measures with everything that I have, uh, emotionally, psychologically, physically, illegally. I cannot allow our rights and freedoms to be taken from us. We have to stand up for them. And this is where I say that we have to become adults. We have to stand up for our rights and freedoms. We can't ask for them. We have to demand that they be honored and respected. To me, the masking is part of the strategy of totalitarian tiptoe. We just keep encroaching on you, and it's just a little bit worse than it was yesterday. And most people don't see it, but we see it. And that's why this program and the work that you guys are doing is so important. Ted Kuntz from Vaccine Choice Canada. 
I just want to reach out and express my gratitude to other side of the news for all that you guys are doing to empower humanity and bring us to a higher state of consciousness. Uh, the time that we shared together was a real pleasure, rich conversation, and I know that all of you are uh, higher conscious beings who are uh, part of the solution. I just want to express my gratitude to Cynthia, Timothy, and Aneta and your program, The Other Side of the News. You guys are great. And welcome back to the other side of the news. This evening, our guest is Javaya, and the title of our show is Sovereign Empowerment. And I think we're at a really interesting place uh, in the show. I wanted to go a little bit deeper into where Timothy left us off with the timeline information. And so we're going, I mean, I think it's abundantly clear that we're going through a major planetary shift. Uh, the entire planet is involved in this. This isn't, this isn't a matter of a certain nationality. And uh, there's been a lot of, I'm very interested in this, as Timothy said, uh, there's, there's so many different timelines, ways to look at it, whether it's uh, what's going on in the heavens, whether it's prophecies, um, all kinds of things. But what do you, what are you following as far as how to look at a timeline? And what do you think the timeline is leading us to, right now and in the, you know, let's say the next decade, what do you see coming? Well, I just, I, in my own simplification of my own work, I try not to get into to prophetic um, things, but I do have, uh, I can feel the pressure of kind of the future flow sometimes pushing in. I have a, a deep connection with what I call the, the cosmic weather and the mystical intelligence. So there's various things that, um, and then I, I read into other things. Um, you know, I look in astrology and various influences, and then, you know, we have thousands of years of various esoteric teachings. And then I run that through my own cellular knowing and distill it down to what's important and, and mostly what's helpful, you know, it's <laughs> trying to keep it what's helpful without creating um, these projections of false hope out in the future, because there's a lot of um, there's a lot of ways we can look into predictions. And, you know, at this juncture, so many people are so weary. It's like and many people are kind of hanging by a thread of like, I need I need to know something's about to crack. I need to know something's about to shift. Um, how much longer can we hang on or endure this? It's so, you know, crushing and, and really immense. Um, it's going to take as long as it needs to take. And that's what we would say in any initiation of awakening and a anyone we want to speed it up. We want to um, get it really laser focused and, and the, on the right trajectory really, really quickly. Um, and then there's so much involved. This is a multidimensional, very long-term war over consciousness. And now we're at the pinnacle of it. And so there's so many players here, but for me, when I orient to, it's going to take as long as it takes. It's not about my personal preferences, 
but it's about how I'm showing up. So the opportunity, am I showing up to aligning with my highest timeline, which would be the evolutionary timeline, which all of us have, meaning when we, there's many timelines we could choose now. We could choose what I would call the dissension timeline. Um, there's sort of a meandering in between timeline. There's so many things and they shape shift really quickly. Like there's sometimes it's like moving highways that kind of move and merge and one moves away and one drops away. And, and, and we're witnessing these really interesting shape shifty points, which I'm sure all of you have witnessed, whereas one thing seems really important and it sort of drops away. But we all have a greater invitation right now of creating the timeline of our highest actualization point, our highest point of sovereignty, our highest point of fulfilling our soul blueprints. That's one timeline for it. Um, Each of us has one timeline that's our highest expression, our highest truth, our highest self-responsibility of what's being asked of us right now. And, you know, in terms of kind of the energetic flow, you know, we have this Pluto return that's on the United States, you know, for the next couple of years. And we have this other, you know, the, the anti-life forces have their 2030 agenda. But so this decade is, is incredibly, like this is the turning point, but I, I really see the next few years as being the process of where all the structures, you know, will finally collapse. And hopefully it's, it's feeling like the, the latter part of the decade is going to be moving into more of the creationary principle. Um, but this is, you know, some of us, myself included, who are here, we kind of hold these long memories. Like I've been in this game for a long time, for many lifetimes, and I showed up to facilitate this bridge at this juncture. And I know that. And when I can align with that, my personal preferences step aside, meaning I want it done. I want to be building our new communities and I want it to be all about the creationary energy. Um, But I also need to witness what's going on and hold space for what's happening and the, the grief that we need to witness and the disclosure that humanity needs to witness. But in any initiatory tunnel, we never know when it's going to be done. Anyone who's here to midwife, shaman, or guide this process knows we have to sort of sit and be in the present now of it and also find the joy and the beauty in the now, which is really hard because anytime we're looking toward the future for something, we're taking away from the present moment. And all we have is this present moment. And as hard as it is and as challenging it is, as immense as it is and as, as, as heartbreaking as it is, there's also life that we can find and cultivate in even some of the smallest ways in the present moment. Um, so I recognize and that it's probably not the, the most satisfactory answer and I can drill down more and I can, we can talk more about timelines, um, but that's my broad stroke around how I feel about kind of placing um, too much emphasis on where it's all going. Well, I mean, I, yeah, I, I didn't expect it really like <laughs> like this, this, this. I, that's, that's well, not where I was going with that. Uh, but uh, this, 
you know, there, there is this, you know, we are all experiencing this. It is planetary. There clearly is a, you know, these are forces that are moving uh, through us uh, and there's good and there's, there's not so good. I call them the baddies or, you know, whatever you want to call it. (laughs) Uh, You know, I have names for everything. And, and so um, as we do this, what we're seeing, uh, I think everyone is seeing this. I don't know. I have never met anyone through this experience that has not been experiencing it. Maybe there's someone out there. But, you know, it's this fracturing of everything, fracturing of friends, fracturing of uh, families. And, it, you know, I think I, I, I'm always looking, um, and I can be very dark, I mean, clearly, but uh, I'm always looking for, like, well, what's going right? You know, like, even in the news, it's like, what, what's going right? I think this comes went right, by the way many things are right uh one thing is in case someone you know we've got the censorship problem blah 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 well you know the truth is it wasn't going well certain things weren't going well we wouldn't be on this this platform right now speaking freely okay Mm -hmm. so there's plenty of good stuff going on and um but we are all dealing with this loss of people uh from you know this fracturing and then we are then additionally, we are dealing with a loss of people as in leaving the earth plane, leaving their bodies. And, uh, and it's clear that not everybody moves forward with this. And uh, we, are, we are at a place where we're going to, you know, need to learn to be okay with what's happening. Otherwise, you'd go crazy because of what we're facing. So what would you say to that? Do you have any advice for, for us or any kind of insight on that? Yeah, I'd love to offer something. So there's there's a term called bifurcation that we're moving through, and it's it's this, you know it is the splitting apart of in very simple ways the anti-life timeline and the life timeline, and one of those has what we would call a descending momentum. It's entropic. It's closing in on itself. It sort of becomes this spiraling around the drain. It has its downward flow. And that's the AI timeline. That's the the de-evolutionary timeline. There's another timeline and a momentum that I call the evolutionary timeline. It's the upliftment. It's the aligning with syntropy. It's aligning with natural law. It's aligning with life and finding that upliftment And then there's another momentum. So even though it's a bifurcation, meaning there's a a descension and an ascension happening simultaneously, creating this very strange, very difficult, emotionally wrenching chasm between people we love, between, you know, between so much people we held very dear to our hearts. We're all witnessing this in some way. But within the descension and the ascension, there's a third momentum and I call it the revolutionary momentum. And it's almost like that's the undecided. That's like what I would call is a third of the population kind of revolving back, like on a traffic circle. They haven't quite decided, am I going down with the ship or am I going to choose the upliftment Is my soul going to choose to be an evolutionary at this time. And I mention this because any given moment of any given day, we can check in Am I getting sucked in by the undertow of the dissension? Is it sucking? Am I spending too much time paying attention to the dissension? 
am I cultivating the upliftment? Because as dark as some of this stuff gets, the, there's a counter force of more light, more consciousness that is, is available to us and has ever been available to us since we've been in this body. So kind of a, a mechanism, a, a tip that we can use to kind of manage our mind, body, and spirit through this is checking in when are we, you know, I'm spending too much time in the dissension. I'm paying too much time, giving too much energy of my life force to the dissolution. The dissolution happens. We don't, the more energy we give it, the longer it kind of goes. Um, or am I spending time, little bits of time, cultivating life, cultivating what, what do I want to see? I always, I like to say the harder they squeeze, the harder they squeeze those anti-life forces, the more creative I get. And that's the beauty in this. That is the sacred, beautiful juncture that we're at. The enormity of this, the, the wretched grief that we have to move through and the loss that we're moving through of relationships, whether people are choosing to leave their body or they're choosing to, you know, experience a different reality that we're experiencing. The sacred moment that we're at here is that it's insisting on something to be born. And we always have a choice to choose in, in to decide where we are. Are we cultivating that in any given point? The other thing I want to say about this is no one is getting left behind in this. So even if souls are dropping their body, choosing to leave their body, as we move through this consciousness evolutionary cycle, people, those souls will be moved into fifth dimensional re-education spaces and conversations and rehabilitation to understand the nature of consciousness, to understand kind of these anti-life forces and life forces and they will, no one gets trapped in what I'm saying. When I, when I speak of dissension, when I speak of the de-evolutionary flow, no one is getting trapped in the underbelly of the phantom matrix where the planet is ascending and it does mean people will choose to drop their body. Um, but no one gets left behind. So those are a few things I just wanted to bring into the space that I find helpful in kind of checking in with self, like where am I with this whole thing? And how do I cultivate the creative flow in spite of the enormity of the dissolution? Dia, I think Dia would like to talk, but I'm wondering where she is. No, I am here, and I was just reflecting on that. No one gets left behind because, uh, like you, Annette, I have very dear loved ones that have gone down the path of believing the narrative. And and I have wondered about this uh, vaccine that mRNA that's changing the, the DNA and what happens to our existence after we leave the Earth plane. And... When I, when I look deep within myself, I always see that the soul is eternal. And so this is a scenario, this is a, yes. uh, a, a little blip in its existence. Uh, but it's so hard when it's someone you love who's so you to watch them um, go down this path. And there is a, a sense of uh, how can I reach them? You know, especially when it's someone who's very close to you. How can I reach them? It seems the more we try, the 
the more they step back, so then you think, okay, well, I won't try. <laughs> but that doesn't seem to, you know, it's uh, so I always come back to, all right, I can't reach them with words. I can only reach them with love. And, and maybe they won't even hear those words. So I, I'll have to hold that resonance within me. And I, I feel like this juncture that we are at as, as a species that the heart energy is coming forward. We've spent so much of this modern society is so mental. And I'm not discounting the the power and the necessity of brilliant intelligence. In fact, I, I find brilliant intelligence extremely magnetic. But if it's devoid of the heart energy, it's I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. You know, it's, it's just, uh, the, and the heart energy is something that's quiet. It, it, it's passionate. And, and uh, so as I listen to you, Zavaya, and how beautifully articulate you are about these stages of spiritual technology, I think I would love to hear you speak more about the heart energy and its relationship to our ascension. Okay. That's beautiful. Really beautiful. Thank you for bringing that into this space. You know, the heart, you know, not only is it just, you know, an important organ, it pumps the blood. It has a very real physiological response, but the heart sits in this, the fourth energy center, what we would maybe call the fourth chakra. And it's, the in-between point from the lower chakras, the chakras where our personality matrix is rooted, where um, our instinctual drives or survival drives are, and then the higher chakras, it's the portal to a higher consciousness. When we work with the heart-mind complex, when I say the heart-mind, I mean the mind inside the heart. I don't mean the connection of the mind with the heart necessarily. When we work with the heart-mind complex, and beautiful practices out there of heart coherence, which I, I, you know, is a tried and true um, spiritual technology for anyone, regardless if you're um, dormant, asleep, um, awakening, or an advanced user of the path. The heart is the connection point. It is the, the most important sensory organ for our spiritual experience in the body. And like you were saying, Cynthia, when we can speak from the heart, when we can actually live and hold our presence from the heart, you're speaking at a certain level of purity of truth. Meaning, say I had someone that I really want to see my side of things. I really want them to come over to my side of the chasm because I love them. And it's, 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 it's so gutting to see them choosing a different reality right now. I don't want to lose them. And what can I do? You can be the presence of the heart. You can be, and you, you maybe can't win them over with words, but you can be the greater invitation to a higher order of love and that is simply by holding a resonant field within the heart the heart is not awake for everyone there it's it's it the heart opening experiences which sometimes happen through heartbreak through loss through pain through trauma 
through spiritual awakening experiences, through kundalini activation. It's like a, a, a cage gets broken away from the heart where you suddenly can feel more. When you have these heart awakening experiences, you open yourself to an awareness of more of your pain body, more trauma, of more of a deeper existential collective trauma, of a bigger longing for everything that we have been cut off from in this reality. So actually opening the heart is a very raw, a very real, and can be a very arduous process, but but then it starts to unfold and it starts to blossom petal by petal. And through that blossoming, not only does it open up more layers for our own soul consciousness to drop down into the body, not only does it activate and start to turn on what we were talking about, that beautiful cellular knowing that it creates a radiant emanation around us where other people are magnetized toward us because there's a presence, there's a purity, there's a peace, there's a compassion that they don't feel from people who are closed off in their hearts. And so when we ask this question, what can we do? How can I wake people up? I'm losing people. I can't stand, you know, it's, it's just so emotionally challenging. You know, at this juncture, if they haven't woken up themselves or they're not moving, you know, they're not having the revelations start to come the only thing we can do is be the invitation to a higher possibility of love a higher possibility of nature to hold compassion don't have that access to their heart because if they did their energetic architecture wouldn't be as susceptible to the mind control once we move into the heart awakening and into the higher layers of our own consciousness um we're not we're not susceptible to everything around us so there's a love that brings i'm offering that as a way of having compassion for people who don't have the spiritual capacity yet to take on what's happening in the outer world and to have compassion for that as well i really appreciate you underlining the word compassion because i think in this journey it's really easy for us to judge those that are not in alignment with what we think is right and to discount them and say, well, they've chosen it. (laughs) They get what they deserve. And I just can't go along with that. I I, I just can't go along with that. I feel that um, compassion is a, is a huge key. It's a tool. It's a, it's a, path of transformation and if we can't have compassion for those who have been deceived by these dark forces then what does that say about us really yes i just hmm. so i know we're coming to the end of the show i can't believe it timothy is there something you'd like to bring in yeah i was sort of underlining that point in my opening actually that it's very easy for us to say uh, it's the Chinese, it's the Russians, it's these people, it's those people, and so on. They're the ones behind it all. But frankly, you know, we're the, we see the borders because that's the way we're programmed. If you look the other way, I believe from what I call the minority, there are no borders. It's a global lockstep uh, pandemic. And what we should remember is that the 
Chinese people are also victims just as much as we are. They all have a role they've been given, in my opinion, if this really is a, a global lockdown uh, strategy. Um, so stop with the division and open up the compassion, unite, and actually focus on, uh, I guess you would say, shining lights in the dark direction that the minority is uh, controlling from, something along those lines. I think when we look back on this time, the legacy that at least I want to have left is that I was a warrior of love, that I didn't place blame, that I didn't place judgment, that I didn't make someone a victim or become a victim. I led from the courageous force of my heart. And I think many will be remembered when we look back on this time as that. And that's the kind of memory that is embedded in our DNA. Yes. You know, I. it seems that the monkey mind records all the you did this, you did that, the blame stuff, but the heart records something much deeper and, and more eternal. And I, I want to come back to that's the new human. That's what we're evolving to is this bringing forward the heart energy, the compassion, not, not to diminish all that we've gained in terms of our intelligence, but to bring it back into balance. We need both feet, the right foot and the left foot, the right brain and the left brain. And we've been functioning so long on the left brain that um, we really need that balance. And, you know, it's something you see it in nature. It's just so natural, the contrast of energies. And there's there's a sense of eternalness and love in nature that is um, transcendent. And I I think that we have forgotten that we are nature. We're made of nature. <laughs> you know, we are the dust of the earth animated by spirit and it's time that we start aligning ourselves with this energy and being the voice of this energy articulating it like you are Zavaya so you know we are very close to the end of the show and I want to invite you Zavaya is there something that you would like to share before we close I'm just going to wrap up with a beautiful prayer to align our hearts in what we've been talking about and offer it to those who are maybe having a harder time. So as we center in our hearts, beloved Holy Presence and cosmic sovereign law, we are your compassionate witness in service to the sanctity of the physical body, the eternal essence of the soul in alignment with the law of love and the law of natural life in devotion to all that is good and sacred. Through the power of love in our collective heart, may we raise our heart tone to surround all who are suffering in pain and grief at this time of great transition. May they be surrounded by the light of truth, compassion, mercy, and sacred power, and feel the warm, radiant light of the eternal, ever-present solar sun. May they know they are held. May they know they are not alone. May all know they are loved. May cosmic justice come swift, carried on the waves of ease and grace. And so it is. 
Thank you, Zivine. Despite the initial unpleasant realization of the truth, you will see there is light at the end of the tunnel. There is an increasing number of respected journalists, writers, politicians, doctors, lawyers, influencers, artists, healers, and innovators who are wide awake and are already making great impact. All they require from you is to unplug from mainstream and social media propaganda, to make your own independent research, to stop acquiescing and to stand up for what you believe in with respect to others. Remember, you were born with power and you wake up each day with power. It is entirely up to you how you choose to retain or give it away. You've been listening to another live broadcast of The Other Side of the News. This 85th edition is entitled Sovereign Empowerment and remains available at www.theothersideofthenews.com. My name is Timothy Saunders, and together with Kintia and Anessa Driscoll, I offer special thanks to our guests, Devaya Star, our listeners and contributors, and of course, our sound engineer, Keith Morgan. We wish you all a very positive week. Look forward to reconnecting with you next Friday. Good night. <laughs>